listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. In the quiet place, Father, we want more of you. When the wind blows, Lord, we want more of you. When the fire rages, we want more of you. We want more of you. You're such an awesome God. Father, this morning I pray that as we look into your word, Lord, that you would speak to the people. Not that I would speak to them, but you would speak to them. That they would hear what you want them to hear. That they would hear what you want to tell them. And I thank you so much for being with us. It makes everything worthwhile, Lord, when you are with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Our God is good. I'm standing by the pillar and I'm watching Charity to see when she's ready for me to come. And she looked at me and saying, we are ready for you. (laughs) I'm ready for all of you. I thought, okay, that's my cue. (laughs) Here I am. Uh, Yes. God is good. God is good. Last Sunday morning, I was praying at home before, before we came to church. And I was seeking God. And God showed me, he told me that I had a perspective shift and I needed to bring it back to where it was supposed to be. That I had, it, was, it had been a very busy summer for us. Um, we spent eight weeks with contractors in the house, renovating the house. And then we had some medical issues we had to deal with that we had never dealt with before. And um, it was just really, really, Harry, and then I had gotten to the place where I was feeling a little bit like I wasn't measuring up. Um, Marge had some surgery, and the next day we took her home, and I'm supposed to look after her. I've never done that before in my life, ever. Um, I've done a lot of things, but medical care is not one of them. And I was... um, really concerned I wouldn't be able to do it and I started to feel a little bit um, just not up to par I just wasn't measuring up and last Sunday morning before church God showed me and he said to me that um, feeling like I don't measure up I've slipped from grace into works because if I don't measure up, that means I'm not doing something right. Or there's something I'm doing that I'm doing wrong. And it's based on my performance. And I need to get back to grace where it's not based on my performance anymore. It's based on my acceptance by God. It's based on the sacrifice of Jesus. And not what I've done or what I didn't do or what I was good at or what I wasn't good at. And I knew this. This wasn't news to me. But I had, had slipped a little bit into the works mentality without realizing it. And last Sunday, God reminded me where I should be and what had happened. And it wasn't a big deal. It was just a little perspective shift. But it certainly made a difference in how I felt. 
and how I was responding to God. And so God sent me a reminder last Sunday morning. And so this morning, I'm going to give you a reminder message. I'm going to say some things you've all heard before. I'm not going to, nothing new is going to drop on you unless the Lord shows it to you. Um, but maybe it's just a reminder. Just a reminder. These are things we know, but maybe we've kind of forgotten a little bit. So I got three little mini sermons and they're going to all tie together. But I want to start with the fact that God is good. He's good all the time. What does that mean? What does it mean? What do I mean when I say God is good? I mean that God is always good. No matter what happens, God is always good. The worst thing, your worst fears could happen, God is still good. The worst circumstance imaginable could come. And God is still good. All over the Bible, it shows us that a core quality of God is goodness. He is always good. Something to remember when we go through a struggle, when we go through some times that are hard, either emotionally or physically, that God is always good. What happens, life happens sometimes. And that doesn't mean that God forgot about us. It doesn't mean that God suddenly isn't good in this situation. God is good all the time. So I've got some verses here. Exodus chapter 34. This is verse 6. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out. This is God saying this. Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing, unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even when children in the third, children's of the third and fourth generations. God's unfailing love goes for a thousand generations. That's a long time. I didn't do the math, but it's a lot of years. The sins of the parents on their children, third and fourth generations. There are generational curses. I don't really like that word, but there are, there are generational things that we pass on to our kids. Some of them are not very good. None of us are perfect. We all pass things on to our kids that aren't really, really good. But God is always good. And the love of God that is always good can overcome any generational, any generational thing that's maybe a little bit off. Whether it's anger or frustration, or maybe it's an addiction. God's love is big enough to overcome all of that if we will submit to it. And God is always good. Why do bad things happen? Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes life just happens and it's not nefarious or bad. Sometimes things happen and we make it worse by how we react. And sometimes we're just attacked. But it doesn't really matter how or why. What matters is that we know that God is good all the time. 
we have to remind ourselves that God is good all the time. Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Have you ever lost heart? Has anybody here ever lost heart? Just kind of, it kind of feels like the life just suddenly drains out of you, right out of your feet and it's gone and you're just left going, <gasps> having a hard time breathing. I've had that happen to me when something has happened and a circumstance has arisen and I have lost heart because I have absolutely no idea what's going on. But if we know that God is good and we remind ourselves that God is good, we'll be okay. If we lose, our, if we lose heart and we stay there, it's not going to be a good thing. And we'll, we'll kind of get to that. Unless you believe that you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, which is here and now, you will lose heart. We have to believe that God is good all the time. All the time. In Nahum 1.7, anybody know where that is? <laughs> it's one of the minor prophets. The eternal one is good, a safe shelter in times of trouble. He cares for those who search for protection in him. He cares for those who go to him when times are hard. Because, you know, it's not what we do or don't do. It's who do we go to for help? It's God. And if we go anywhere other than God, it works. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not going to help much. Lamentations is another book stuck in between Jeremiah and Isaiah, I believe, or Ezekiel, Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah, and it was written during the siege of Jerusalem when Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon was attacking Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was known as the city that couldn't be attacked because it had all these walls around it. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't really attack the city, he just surrounded it, wouldn't let any food in, wouldn't let any food out. And that lasted for 30 months, for three and a half years, no, for two and a half years. He had surrounded it and no food got in for two and a half years. And it says in Lamentations chapter 4 that it got so bad that there was cannibalism happening within the walls of Jerusalem because there was nothing to eat. And this is what Jeremiah wrote in the middle of that. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly for the salvation from God, from the Lord. Jerusalem found itself in this position because the king, it was King Zephaniah, I believe, went to Jeremiah and said, what do we do? Um, you know, what do we do about the Assyrians and Nebuchadnezzar? And Jeremiah went to God and God said, just trust me, I'll look after them. Don't go to Egypt, don't go to any other countries for help, just stay where you are trust me 
all the other prophets that were in there at the time told Jeremiah, this place is going to be demolished. You really need to go and get some help somewhere. Not Jeremiah, he told Zephaniah. Zephaniah then went to Egypt, did exactly what God told Jeremiah to tell him what not to do. And the result of that is a 30-month siege where there's no food in Jerusalem. Lamentations 3, 32 and 33. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. God does not like it when you're having a hard time. He doesn't enjoy it. Um, what he really loves is when you're having a hard time and you go to him and he can start working on your behalf. He's always working. Always he's working. Always he's working. Giving your life to the Lord doesn't mean it's smooth sailing for the rest of your life. Life still happens. Stuff still happens. But <laughs> you have a God that loves you and will work on your behalf if we just remember that God is good. And remember that God is good. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 32 is a story about the disciples on the lake in the storm and Jesus walking out to them on the water. Verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat, cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Jesus insisted they get into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And as they're going over the lake, a huge storm comes up. And the disciples are sure that they've met their, mat, they've met their end. They're going to die. These are seasoned fishermen. These guys have spent their lives on the water. And they are pretty sure that they've had, they've had it. But who sent them out there? That was Jesus. Jesus knew that was going to happen. But he insisted they get in the boat and they get out there. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes God puts us in a spot where he can work with us. Now, I'm not saying that God makes bad things happen. I'm saying that God knows what's going to happen and he'll take advantage of it. Our God is a master planner. There is nobody that plans like God does. He never does anything with, for one reason. He has like multitudes of reasons for everything he does. And everything he does just, you know, you've seen those shows where you got that shock wave that goes, covers the whole land. That's kind of like God. Everything he plans and everything he does affects so much. So Jesus sends them out on the water. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there by himself. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. They had been fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. Take courage, I am here. Peter called him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. 
Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter got over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. Jesus sent them out onto the lake, knowing that the storm was coming. But also knowing what, what was going to happen. I, I believe that the Spirit told him. So he's out there walking. Peter gets out of the boat and walks with him. He's walking in the middle of a storm. And he's walking when he should not be walking. Because he trusts Jesus. That God is good all the time. And he starts to slip. Just like I did, you know? And, um, but you know what? Peter is no dummy. The minute he starts to slip, he knows where to go for help. He goes right to God. If he wouldn't have went right to Jesus when the circumstance got really dire and it looked like he was going to drown, he probably would have drowned. <laughs> Maybe not. Jesus may have just reached down and pulled him up anyway. But he called out to Jesus. He knew where to go for help. He knew that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Life sometimes is hard. God is always good. Always, even when life is hard. And he'll walk us through the hard spots. I promise you. Rick Warren, he said it this way. I really like this. So I'm quoting him. I've had a lot of pain in my life. In fact, almost everything I've learned in life, I've learned through pain. That's because God is more interested in making me a man of character than he is in making me comfortable. God is more interested in making you a man or a woman of character than he is in making you comfortable. So if you never had any pain or difficulty in your life, you would never grow to maturity. And this is really, this is, I love this. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. You don't know God is all you need until God is all you've got. Yep, pain does seem to be the best teacher. We remember the things that hurt us. We do. And everyone, you know, the classic example is the stove and a little child. They don't do that twice because they remember the pain, right? The things that hurt the most are the things we don't do twice. But we really, unfortunately, that's how we learn, you know? And God is more interested in making us people of character than to making us people comfortable. But if God is good, and you remember that God is good, you can walk through it. Come out the other side with your relationship intact. You know, and I've said this before, but having victory over your circumstances is not having them turn out the way you want. Having victory over your circumstances is walking through them with your relationship with the Lord intact when you come out the other side with knowing even more that God is good than you did before you walked into that, bad, that circumstance. God is good all the time. The second thing, everything we have that's good comes from God. Everything that is good that we have comes from God. The sunlight comes from God. The rain comes from God. The air we breathe comes from God. Everything, 
houses we live in, the jobs we have, the government we have over us, everything that's good comes from God. First Chronicles 29, 11 to 14. All that is great and powerful and glorious and victorious and majestic is yours, O Eternal One. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, O Eternal One, and you are the head of it all. Wealth and glory come from you, and you rule over them all. In your hand is power and strength, and you use them to make great and strengthen everyone. God uses his power to rule over and strengthen us all. In your hand is power and strength, and you use them to make great and strengthen everyone. Because of your greatness, our God, we testify about your greatness and praise, your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we offer up anything to you so willingly? All our offerings come from you. And so we give you nothing that isn't already yours. This is the prayer of David. And it was prayed when they were, that's what I'm looking for. What do you call it when you put the first shovel in the ground before you build a building? What's that? Breaking ground. Yes. It's when they were breaking ground for the temple that Solomon was going to build. And this is David's prayer over the temple and over Solomon as they build it. All our offerings come from you so we can give you nothing that isn't already yours. Everything we have that's good comes from him. Psalm 20, Psalms 24.1 The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. We belong to God. Everything belongs to Him. Everything is from Him. James chapter 1, verse 16 and 18. My dearly loved brothers and sisters, don't be misled. Every good gift bestowed, every perfect gift received, comes to us from above. Courtesy of the Father of Lights. He is consistent. He won't change his mind or play tricks in the shadows. We have a special role in his plan. He calls us to life by his message of truth so that we will show the rest of his cre creatures his goodness and love. The Passion Translation, verse 18 says, God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible words so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny and become favored ones, his favorite ones out of all creation. But everything we have comes from the Father of Lights. And I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get there and it makes sense to you. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Everything we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Right thinking, right living, clean slate, fresh start. Not only everything good physically comes from God, Everything good mentally comes from God. And when we're mentally unwell, and all of us have parts of our emotions that probably can be fixed. But God is good, and He will work to fix it. Right thinking, right living, clean slate and a fresh start all comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. We can't do that by ourselves. We need the love of God to do that. 
Romans 11:36. Everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. So God is good all the time. And everything we have that's good comes from him. Last Sunday, I was, we were here and I was just, we were just going over the songs with the band. And Shelby came in with a coffee. And I looked at her walking up the aisle with the coffee. And I, and I said to her, because I thought, isn't this cool that we can bring coffee again? It is so, you know, such a little thing. And you think it wouldn't mean much until it's taken away. And, and, and in that moment, I was so grateful to be able to bring coffee in. And that may seem silly and seem little, but I was grateful. I thank God for bringing us to the point where we could bring a coffee in. Gratitude. God is good all the time, and everything we have that's good comes from Him. And we need to be grateful. So I just want to talk about gratitude just for a bit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer in the midst of everything, always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever asked what God's plan is for your life? Part of it is gratitude. Part of it is us being grateful and thankful that he is good all the time. And grateful and thankful that every good gift comes from him. Can you imagine a world with nothing good at all? That's probably hell. Because there's no God. Nothing good. There's no, there's no presence of God. Gratitude is a form of praise and worship. We worship God by being grateful. Psalm 100. I think this is the whole psalm. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it. Everyone, everywhere, worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh, our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. That's amazing, hey, that we can give God pleasure. That just always blows me away when I read that, that we can actually give God pleasure. I want to do that. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come and bring your thank offerings to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He is so loving that it will amaze you. So kind it will astound you. And he's famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted for he keeps his promises to every generation. Our gratitude is a form of praise and worship. I looked up gratitude and I looked up thankfulness. And there was on the website. And the one website said that thankfulness is an emotion of being thankful. <laughs> and gratitude is the verb, it's the action. It's, it's being so thankful that we do something. And then I went to another website and it was exactly the opposite. <laughs> so. Uh, I don't think it matters which one is the verb and which one is the noun, but we need to be grateful and we need to be thankful. And that's part of our praise and worship to him. 
You know, when, when we come and we sing, pretty every song we sing is about God, obviously. This is church. Every song we sing, we sing with thankfulness. We're thanking God for this, or we're thanking God for our salvation, or we're thanking God for His mercy, or we thank God for His grace. We sing about His grace, we sing about His praises, we sing about His attributes. It's all gratitude and thanksgiving. It's all gratitude and thanksgiving. And if that's what's in our hearts, God is pleased, He's happy with the things. Gratitude will also reduce anxiety. If all you do is think about your problems, anxiety will creep in. Then the lie will be presented to you that God really can't take care of you like he says he will. Says he will. And once we accept that, well then there's fear all over the place. Fear that he won't take care of us. Fear that something bad's gonna happen and we'll never recover. But if we praise and we worship God and we're thankful to him, because he's good all the time and everything we have that's good comes from him we can trust the fact that he's good all the time when we get a little bit anxious about what might happen here or what might happen there we can trust the fact that God is good all the time and even if worst case scenario happens God is good and will walk you through it out the other side because God is good all the time especially in the times where we're afraid, especially in the times when we're on the brink and something really bad could happen if so, this doesn't happen or whatever. Even if the really bad happens, God will always walk you through it out the other side. You will recover. And that is something, if you get it inside of you and you know that God is good all the time, we can be grateful in the worst possible scenarios, knowing that a good God has got your back. And it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter what shows up, there's always a good God that refuses to leave or forsake you, ever. And if we, if we are grateful for that, we spend time doing what it says in Psalm 100 and in 1 Thessalonians, thanking God and being grateful for Him, there's no circumstance that'll get you. There's no circumstance that you won't walk out of. There will be times when you get down. There will be times where you're going to need some help and somebody to, to lift you up and say, come on, let's get going. We all need those times. We all need those people. But God will get you up and get you going. And God promises never to let anything happen that you can't walk out of with Him. If you're not strong enough to hold up and bear that, God won't let it happen. So if something happens, you're strong enough to walk through it with God. Otherwise, God wouldn't have allowed it to happen. And that is something that you can put your faith and your trust in and you can walk through anything that happens to you. Anything. In Numbers chapter 11 is an account of the Israelites in the wilderness. And God gives them manna to eat because they're afraid they're all going to die of hunger. And so God gives them manna. And so they eat the manna. It's interesting, the Bible says that manna is the food of angels. That's interesting. I didn't know angels ate to start with. But, and maybe it's metaphorical, but God gave them food right from heaven to eat. And they got tired of it and they started grumbling and complaining. And, and you know, I really don't 
blame them because I don't know if I would be any different. I have a problem eating the same thing two days in a row, little alone 40 years in a row. So, I mean, I'm not at all <laughs> criticizing these people. I understand why they complained, but they complained. And then God gave them quail. Quail apparently is a, is a small bird and it's supposed to be very sweet, a very tasty bird. And the Bible says that it was three feet of quail. And, and you know, some people think that it means the, the quail was three feet off the ground and easy to catch. And then God got angry at them because they weren't grateful for the manna. In Psalm 78, I'm going to read you verses 18 to 22. In their hearts, they tested God just to get what they wanted, asking for the food their hearts craved. Like spoiled children, they grumbled against God, demanding he prove his love by saying, can't God provide for us in this barren wilderness? Will he give us food and will he only give us water? Where's our meal? God heard their complaining and was furious. His anger flared up for the people because they turned away from faith and walked away in fear. They failed to trust in the power and save them when he was near. So they weren't thankful. They started to grumble and they started to complain about the manna. And then in those verses I read, did you recognize the lie? <laughs> so they're grumbling and they're complaining about the manna. And then the enemy comes along and said, can't God provide for us in this wilderness? God can't provide for you like he said he can. Where have you heard that before? That was kind of like the Garden of Eden. You know, God can't provide all the knowledge. He doesn't really care if you are really smart. He wants you to, he wants you to stay kind of on the dumb side so he can control you. And that's what Satan said to Eve. And he said the same thing here. He said, can't God provide for you in the barren wilderness? And obviously the people grasped that because that's what they were saying. They took the lie and they believed it and they spoke it and they said it and they found themselves on the wrong side of God. Because instead of believing that God is good all the time, they believe that God will only look after you sometimes and not all the time. And God's anger arose. Now, I don't understand God's anger. I'm not going to try and go into it because I have no idea whether what I think is right or not. But we know that his anger flares up when we're not grateful because God never changes. God never changes. Now, in saying that as well, we have a covenant of grace with our, with our Lord. And we all fall sometimes. We all fall into grumbling and complaining sometimes. And I'm not at all saying that God's going to get mad because Jesus died, so that wouldn't happen. It's what the blood of Jesus did for us. It puts us in a place of grace and love and relationship where when we feel like we've missed it a little bit, like I did this summer, like God showed me last week, we can repent and get back on track. And God is so happy to tell you when you're missing it a little bit so that you can get back to where you need to be. We need to be thankful, especially when life is hard. 
especially when life is hard, we need to be thankful for what we have. It will also change your mentality. It keeps you thinking about the, the mountain that's in front of you. And I guess that's kind of normal for all of us because we have these mountains or these things that are coming at us and it's all we see. But you know what? It's so awesome that we can bring coffee in here. <laughs> you know, and I'm not pushing the coffee, I'm pushing the gratitude. You know, I, I, it's just the little things that God has given us is, are huge. And I know you know this, I'm just, it's just a reminder sermon, right? It's just a reminder sermon. Philippians 4, 6, 6 to 8. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout every day, offering your faithful requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life, and then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, holy, merciful, and kind. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. Put into practice the example of all that you've heard from me or seen in my life, and the God of peace will be with you in all things. You know what you should do? There's a list of things to think about. Make a list of things you're grateful to God for. It doesn't have to be a big list. It doesn't have to be a thousand things. Maybe four or five things that you're so grateful to God for. Put it in your purse. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your pocket. So that when the mountain comes at you and the circumstances look so big and all you feel is fear, you don't have to try and remember them. You can pull them out of your pocket and read them. Because there will be a time when you're attacked by fear and you won't remember anything. All you can do is go, ah, ah, those times come. But if you've got some things that you're thankful for, hidden on your person somewhere, you can pull them out and read them. And you don't have to remember them. Put them on your phone. I have some of them on my phone. I have, I have what I call a battle chest on my phone. It's in the notes and I just called it that. And I have some verses there so that when I get to that place where I can't see anything good, I can pull them out and read them and verbally say them. And even though I may be full of fear, I can thank God for what he's done. And I do it out loud. And if you say it out loud a few times, you will find anxiety and fear will start to leave. Gratitude is huge, much bigger than what we think, much bigger than what we think. But if you don't believe God is good all the time, you're not going to have a lot of gratitude. If your faith isn't to the, no, that's the wrong way to say it. If you think that God is only good here and here and there, but in this situation over here, you know, God is good in my family and we come to church and God is good, but I have a brother that's on the street and he's a coke addict. God, I can't see anything good there. Just take the verses and read them out loud and thank God for everything he's given you and watch what he does. He's an amazing God and he loves you so much. So if we know that God is good, we can trust him with those situations. We can trust our brother or our family member who has, has an addiction. We can trust them with God. We can leave them with God. And we can say, God, I've preached all I can preach. 
He knows everything I know, but he hasn't beaten it yet. And we can trust that God is good all the time. All the time. And we can leave it with him. And we can trust him because he's good all the time. We can trust him to look after it. Father, I thank you for being so good. I love you so much. And I thank you for all you've done for me. We thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for this building, Lord. This is awesome. And you've worked so many miracles for us to have it. Thank you. Jesus, thank you for being willing to die for us. Where would we be without you? Nowhere. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.